1: About to share this episode thanks to these fine companies i depend on in the field game changer calls the gc was designed with all hunting callers in mind though elk is the intended target the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well it is not designed to replace your tube or open reeds, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field Burris optics fine with matters proudly made in the usa hoffman boots If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. The pack system for all your scenarios. Initial ascent. Expect more and never settle. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand. And that's exactly what TAP delivers. Western Fly Covers ultralight element protection for your gear stay on your game for more brands we run and trust jump on westerncontours.com partners page look for the code westerncontours and save a few dollars off your order so we're on with my brother mr brandon shook man how you doing buddy man doing real well um you know instead of doing a lot of hunting here lately
2: uh, i've had a lot of time off uh you know you and i've talked a little bit but i you do a, an annual uh sabbatical with a group of pastors up in colorado and rocky mountain national park and um you know got a week up there in the mountains which is great and then honestly right now man i'm sitting in a in a resort hotel room in uh on lake conroe with my family and we've just been kind of kicking it man so uh, yeah, you know, I feel, feel good, man. Just, just been, you know, laying low and taking it easy for right now.
1: Yeah. We're kind of the opposites on that, man. We were just talking about it and I kind of hit pause on recording so I can go, uh, go chase the real passion man out in the woods. I think we missed each other in Colorado for, by what, eh, maybe a couple, well, it was about a week.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, if it wasn't a week, dude, it is, it was like days, like
1: days, man. Like real, real close. Yeah. How'd those fires treat you up there in uh, Rocky Mountain?
2: Man, so the first, so the Friday when we got in, I went up with two guys, my buddies Paul and Brian. And we actually backpacked in um to Rocky Mountain National Park because we were gonna do some fishing. And um Friday, man, was pretty brutal. It was bad, real super smoky. But um Saturday morning it cleared out and actually it was pretty good for the rest of the week, man, and then a a few days later, I mean, especially like even right now, it's, it's pretty bad up in SS, I think. So we were, we were fortunate, man.
1: I think they have what four or five fires at this point in that area. I mean, that's just unbelievable.
2: Insane. Yes. I mean, the hats, hats off to all the first responders, volunteers, all those, all those folks up there trying to keep that stuff at bay. And I mean, it's, I know it's weird to say this, but I mean, to keep it in the, uh, you know, in the, like national forest um, versus, you know, the populated areas, man, they are working their tails off right now to keep that thing.
1: Imagine what that takes, right? The toll that that takes um, being four or five fires that you just the resources, man. And, and just to keep that going is, is unbelievable. So absolutely man, hats off to those folks. I mean, they're out there risking it trying to save that beautiful country uh i mean fire is necessary to a point right um, yeah, but when uh, it, yeah when it's that large it gets a little bit scary
2: yeah dude I agree i mean it's it uh yeah it's one of those things that i mean in, in reality i think everybody knows this especially if we're going to talk about conservation i mean it it is a necessary evil but to a point i mean for sure i mean uh we actually uh, there was a group of us that week that actually hiked through a place called Glacier Gorge in Rocky Mountain National Park. And I don't remember the year, but I want to say it was like maybe 2007, nine, something like that. But there was a, a devastating fire that ran through Glacier Gorge. And I mean, we walked through um, the devastation of that hiking up to a place called Black Lake. Um, and it, it's humbling. I mean, just to walk through the aftermath, but also to see, the regrowth in that area. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful, man. I mean, and we all know that that's what happens. I mean, out in your area, I mean, you do, you live out in Cali. I mean, you guys, you guys see that often too, but you get to see both parts of it, right? Like guys like me, we don't know what I'm from. So for those of you that don't know, I'm live in Texas, central Texas. Um, but, uh, we don't really know what those fires look like, you know, like that. So we, we just see the devastation. We don't get to see that regrowth later. So yeah, man, it's like you said, it's it, uh, to a point it's, it's something that's kind of cleansing and helps, but at some point in time it just becomes utter chaos None. and destruction.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean with, you know, here, the problem is, is we don't have any real management, You know, Mm. so we get all this undergrowth and that stuff, man, it, when it goes, it goes and it doesn't leave anything on the hillsides. So then the aftermath, you know, we, we come out of our fire season and we go right into our rainy season, um, Mm. whatever that looks like on a, a year to year basis with these droughts and whatnot. Um, and then the mudslides. So, I mean, we, we get it double, um, and in my opinion, it's because we don't have the management, but you know, topic oh. for, uh, <laughs> another day. So right. let's, let's rewind a little bit and yeah, uh, give, give the folks some background, um, you know, tell them, uh, who shook is and, uh, yeah, we'll just go from there, man.
2: Cool, man. Well, my name is actually Brandon Shook, but usually only my mama and my wife call me Brandon. Uh, if if we're out and about, and somebody calls me Brandon, it's it's all good. But normally, my friends call me Brandon, and I'm a friendly guy. So, or call me Shook. Sorry, uh, I'm a friendly guy. So if you call me Brandon, it's not gonna be a big deal. Uh, the Shook thing—it's just been happening since I was about nine, playing baseball and soccer. And there were two other Brandons, and so there was three of us. We all graduated high school together. Um, I don't know if the other Brandons go by their last name, but my last name has seemed to follow me everywhere I go. Um, so there's that. I'm married uh, to my beautiful wife Krista. I got two wonderful little girls, uh, Carson and Reagan. Uh, we we love to get outside. We love adventure. Um, both girls have hunted with me. Both girls have fished with me. Um, mama has fished with me. She spent a very little time out in the field hunting. She just doesn't really have that desire, which is cool. But one day, one day it'll happen. Um, Texas, uh, born, raised. I'm actually a sixth generation Texan. So my roots run deep in Texas. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that's that's a little bit about me. I, well, I, and I, you know, one one probably big thing is uh, I've spent 18 years doing ministry, 16 of it in youth ministry. And then the, the last couple of years um, just serving alongside a senior pastor at a Methodist church uh, in Dripping Springs, Texas, man. So I uh, love the outdoors. I mean, I've been hunting and fishing since I was a little guy. Um, again, a lot of, a lot of Texas hunting, especially South Texas, where I grew up down in the brush country. Um, you know, uh, of course, you know, being a Texas guy, um, a lot of people want to talk about high fence hunting and all that good stuff. And I've, I've done it. I've hunted behind fences. I've hunted low fence. Uh, and then I've done it all, man. I mean, I've sat in stands, uh, with feeders, without feeders. I really cut my teeth actually up in the Texas panhandle. Uh, with a buddy of mine named Britt, and uh, we we weren't allowed to have blinds or feeders in the places that we hunted. So my experience is a little bit different when I really started to hunt by myself and, you know, really have to look for sign and different things like that. Um, I am a whitetail guy. It's pretty stereotypical of a Texan as well. Um, love whitetails, but man, you know, the last few years or so you now I've, I've definitely had my eyes, you know, northward and westward and, and trying to figure out how to, you know, get somewhere to go, uh, pursue elk or, you know, something else other than just Texas whitetails. But, you know, I've, I've hunted whitetails, hunted hogs, uh, the collared peccary or javelina, um, you know, quail, pheasant, dove, done a lot of it done. I mean, I grew up Texas coastal fishing and for a while, bro. I was pretty snobby about that because, you know, anytime I'd run into like a freshwater fisher guy, especially like bass guys, I just kind of laugh at them and be like, man, y'all have no idea what fishing really is unless you get down, chase redfish, you know, down on the coast or pursuing them down in the flats because you're, you're hunting them and stalking them in the flats, you know, um, with lures and all that stuff. But, you know, Always, all in good fun, man. So, uh, a lot of coastal fishing. Uh, two new things as a hunter and a fisherman is, you know, about this will be my third season as a legitimate bow hunter. So I'm pretty pumped about that, man. It, it I mean, I just I would always scoff at my friends that were bow hunters when they're like, oh man, you gotta get, you know, you get close and there's all these things. And I mean, I've been really close with a rifle, you know, sitting on the ground still hunting or even spot spot and stalk and have had, had some great encounters close up with a rifle. I mean like 18, 20 yards. Um but man, you put a bow in your hands and I mean it no joke, life changes. Different experience. <laughs> oh man, I mean, yes. And then uh so I've been, and then now I'm a, uh, I've been a fly fisherman um, for probably, I'd say going on about two years now. And I've strictly gone to that. I have no problem with using conventional tackle. Um, but man, it's been so much fun. Uh, and the one thing I haven't done yet is gotten down to the coast and done some coastal fly fishing, but done a lot of, uh, you know, fishing for bass and catfish um, Texas, central Texas has a Guadalupe river and uh, it's the just main trout stream it, everybody gives texans a hard time because it's it's stocked but i will say from what i've learned is most that places uh, are most places are man i mean they give they give us texans a hard time for this trout stream the guadalupe river in texas but yeah man uh, got to go colorado that just that recent trip it was great man we hiked back it was about 10 miles round trip um, to a place called Thunder Lake in Rocky Mountain National Park. And uh we caught a little bit of everything between the three of us. Uh brookies. Uh actually we just we caught brookies and cutthroats, the native greenback cutthroat. And man, it was it was an experience, man. It was awesome. I mean, you get up in that thin air, you got packs on. Uh the the gears definitely a little bit different than what you would take for elk or mule deer or whatever else you're pursuing. You know, like we're taking like wading boots and waders and uh, we got done with that trip. I, I was ready to burn my waiting boots for sure, just because they were cumbersome. And, uh, man, they're, they're actually a little bit too big for me. And so, uh, I was cussing them. <laughs> I was cussing them pretty bad, but, uh, I'm sure everybody's felt that way. You know, wanting to leave something out on the mountain for sure. But, uh, oh, man. yeah, I suffered through it, man. And, and, uh, just like anything else, I mean, the, the views and, and the, this the thing about just being in the backcountry, um, is just it's just majestic, man. I mean, just that that awesomeness that goes with being out there and being in creation. And then of course, when you have success, especially for a I still consider myself a newbie when it comes to fly fishing. Not I'm definitely not an expert, but uh man, to have success back there on that backcountry lake was was pretty primo, my man. So yeah. You've,
1: you've been knocking them out on the, uh, on the flies though, man, for a little while. I remember, I don't know. It seems like it's been a couple months, but you had a streak there that was like, dang, look at shook <laughs> <laughs> killing them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, and I have to, and I have to admit, you know, and I, and I will, cause if, if any of my friends listen to this, I mean, bro, that was literally, I mean, like during COVID, I, I would go to wherever I could have, I ha- wherever I have access. Cause te- I mean, people probably know this by now, Texas is very much private lands, wherever I had access, man, if it was a stock tank, a neighborhood piece of water uh, for a friend of mine had, you know, like has Creek front property, um, man, I was anywhere I could go to fish, especially during COVID, man, I was uh, actually taking a seminary class at the time doing that, you know, trying to be a, a diligent, uh, husband and father, of course. And then, man, if I got the opportunity to go fish, dude, I was, I was out the door. You know what I mean? <laughs> so <Sure>. so yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah. Yeah, man. So yes, I did have a little bit of a streak there going for a while and yeah, dude. Was, you gotta, you
1: crazy. gotta definitely get down there with the uh, with the fly pole and uh, get on some of those reds. That on conventional tackle, oh. a red is a phenomenal species to uh, hook up with. Man, I mean the the tenacity of that fish on the end of a line is uh, it's breathtaking every time you get yeah, one. Yeah, dude, man.
2: Yeah, it's and it. I mean, and that, well, that's what that's what I would tell about my friends that are. Bass fishermen, you know, I mean, and it's, it's still been true for me that I just haven't had a bass fight. Like, I mean, even, even a red that's undersized, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, no, you're right, man. It'll, it'll, once you feel that power, I mean, you don't want to go back to anything else. Uh, and gets, <laughs> so, yeah, I yeah. mean, if you
1: get them, get the right one too. I mean, you know, I think, I don't know. I'm going to say my biggest was probably in the 20 to 25 pound class. Um, Whoa. And that, that was down in Florida and that was, uh, that was a big old son of a gun, man.
2: Yeah, Um, dude. That's a monster fish, bro.
1: Yeah. But that's it. I mean, even like, you know, just the, just the schoolie size are just phenomenal to catch though. Just so much fun, man.
2: Yeah. And they are phenomenal to eat, man. There is, there is hardly anything I'll tell you right now, man, there's hardly anything better than doing a little surf and turf with some redfish on the half shell and like some some venison uh i mean i've i've only had a little bit of elk but i could only imagine what like some elk and a redfish surfing turf would be like oh man
1: <laughs> making me hungry i haven't eaten yet yeah dude me, me too man <laughs> so you were you're were, you know you're talking about texas right and the and I think it's we're, it seems like we're kind of breaking away from it. But there's there's that stereotype of the high fence thing. And I just want to clarify, because when you talk about Texas, high fence doesn't necessarily mean a canned hunt. Right. Um, Correct. It's and 100 yeah, percent and the method and and i have no problem with you know the high fence thing understanding what it is in texas the can thing co-op type deer that one yeah that one kind of doesn't bother me but you know to each his own i'm not i'll never do it myself um but in texas it's just something that is done um and and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with it i mean you know you, you talk about you know going and sitting in a blind it's been a while since we've been down there but my neighbor used to go with me and my boy before my boy was old enough to get tags here and at the time leon was shoot 76 to 78 and it was perfect you know i got this seven-year-old kid and then my neighbor was like man i've always wanted to hunt well let's go and, uh, what better place, right? So now you got this, this gentleman that has wanted to hunt his whole life, living in California, didn't, you know, have the understanding of how to do it or whatever it was. Now he's able to go out and sit in that blind and, you know, take beautiful, man, we took some beautiful whitetail down in Texas when we were going, geez, Louise, um, but the opportunity is there but i think we it seems like more and more people are opening up to that texas experience and the ability to go to texas and hunt pretty soon we're going to be hunting tigers in texas too <laughs> but i mean you guys have access out ad i mean there's elk in texas running around west texas somewhere i heard
2: yeah, man. No, you're, you're right. I mean, why? So like straight up wild elk. Yes. Like out towards, uh, you know, the mountain ranges out towards like El Paso, you know, like, uh, if you look up Balmuret, it's a tiny little place, but out like westward towards the mountains and stuff. Yes. They're there. That elk experience is there, but you know, in true Texas fashion, you know what, you know, there's all kinds of African species uh, of deer and antelope that you can come and hunt on a ranch. And yeah, man, there, there are places that do canned hunts. Um, and, and it, to be honest, man, it, it's, it sucks. I mean, and, uh, but to, to, to some degree, I I, I could get, I could get there, you know, like you, you've talked about folks, you know, I, I love your last post about like the folks with disabilities, right? Like it's only really a disability if you let it, I don't have any. And I, so I can't really speak to that a whole lot. Right. Well, <laughs> some, some friends of my wife may, uh, <laughs> may uh, debate that, but, uh, but, it, but in that truly really in that regard, right? Like um, if, if, if one of those folks, they're not going to be able to, to travel to 10,000 feet to shoot an elk. Right. But maybe just maybe, there's an opportunity for them to shoot an elk in Texas to where, I mean, it truly is a uh, free range, free pursuit. Um, and it's, it's just a little bit easier access, but there are places, man, that, I mean, you truly could call up a ranch and tell them that you want to shoot, you know, whatever score of elk, whitetail, fallow deer, what, whatever you want. And they'll, they'll go put it out in a pasture for you and, you know, let it be out there and be wild for about two weeks and you come in and, Um, You put a spot and stalk on it, or you shoot it from a blind and you kill it. But there are plenty, and I trust me, there are plenty of great places that, yes, are high fenced. Yes, they're well managed, that you can go out and truly have a great free range hunt, you know, even though it's high fenced. And, And the reason I say that is because a lot of these ranches, man, I mean, they're, you know, anywhere from... 500 to 20,000 acres you know and and so you have an opportunity to do it to where it's not just like oh hey man you want to shoot a 200 class or 300 class you know whitetail i mean you could do that but there are places here that i mean truly they're just super well managed for whatever exotics like axis or outad or whatever um, or whitetail, but you can pursue them in some means that, I mean, it will make you proud, you know, that you shot it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
1: so, those, I mean, you, you talk 20,000 acres. I mean, you know, what is it going to take to cover that? But even at, you know, the smaller properties, uh, 15, 2000, 3000 acres, that's still a lot of land. So that fence, is it really doing something, uh, when it comes to, you know, that, that free range animal, uh, what yeah. what gets me and you said that 300 inch whitetail those those food plot deer and again to each their own but when i see those food plot deer and those antlers that, that i i look at them and there's nothing natural about them to me it's just like i just don't understand it um yeah you know definitely not my experience but you know some some guys hey man, are they, about that
2: Sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all right. No, I was just going to say, like, I- I'm-, I'm with you. It's, it's not me. I-, I don't think it looks natural. But at the same time, I mean, they're freaks, dude. I mean, they, they do look pretty amazing, but it's not something that I want to pursue. And I, and I have close friends, like, from high school, I mean, they're, they're into the deer breeding and selling whitetails and, you know, whether they be animals, whether it be eggs, whether it be semen and, and man, that's, that's great. Good for them. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't look down my nose at them at all. It's just not, it's just like you said, it's not for me. It's not something that I want to do, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing about Texas is, uh, it's like anywhere else, man. I mean, you know, you, we talk about Westy hunters, right? And right now, everybody was talk about flat bills and skinny jeans, and <laughs> or, or the or the hipsters, right? I mean, everybody's got these stereotypes that we think about, or you know, I mean, like the one thing I like to point out is a lot of Texans legitimately head to the mountains in in various states across the Western U.S. that are legit hunters that go out and kill deer. It's, And guess what? They'll come back here and yeah, they may sit in a tree stand over a feeder or a blind over a feeder or they may be out, you know, doing the exact same thing they're doing in the Western, uh, the Western context. But I mean, they're still getting it done. So just want to give a shout out to my my Texas boys, you know.
1: And girls, and girls. Yeah, some some killers out of Texas, man. I mean, and that's the thing, right? So, what do you do? You you don't hunt in your home state, um, and you just go out, you know, out west for an elk hunt in September. I mean, that's just unrealistic um, in terms of how how most of us want to be in the field, right? I mean, it's just yeah. not going to happen.
2: Well, but I, I mean, that's but that's the the sacrifice we make, right? Like I remember a conversation you and I had about. Was because I was telling you, like, dude, you've got to go to Rocky Mountain National Park one time just to watch the elk action, right? With no pressure. I mean, because it's amazing to watch them in their natural habitat in this, you know, again, like this zoo like sanctuary to where they don't have hunting pressure from. Hardly anything, and and that's what you said to me. You're like, hey man, I would love to. That would be awesome, but it's freaking <laughs> September, and I'm going to be in the woods hunting, yeah. right? Uh, and so a that's a conflict the thing of for, interest. <laughs> yeah, so I know. I mean, I know guys that will. I mean, save all year long, buy a tag OTC and go over the counter and go, I mean, to Colorado, to Idaho. I mean, if they get lucky and draw New Mexico, whatever it looks like, and man, they'll go and they'll spend a week or, or 14 days. or They'll blow all their vacation pursuing an elk or a mule deer or whatever they can. And then, I mean, the lucky ones, I mean, truly, I mean, those those people like me that are fortunate that know maybe one landowner or a couple... I mean, if they strike out can come back and white tail hunt, or you've definitely got the very fortunate that will go do both like they'll go archery hunt in September or maybe do you know first or second rifle somewhere and then come back uh, and it's dude, I mean, if you live in South Texas, the rut didn't start until you know December for whitetails, and so you know you could you could work through November, so to speak, and then begin pursuing white tails down in South Texas really hard in, in December. And then, you know, depending on where you're at, I mean, you might be able to hunt whitetails through January, but if you've got special like land, uh, land owner permit tags from the state, uh, I mean, dude, you can, you can almost kill tails till February, you know, under a management program through the program, you know, through the Texas parks and wildlife programs here in Texas, you know? So, um, Yeah, dude. I mean, like I said, if if you're very fortunate, then you can probably do both, you know, and I, and I know actually quite a few men and women that are able to do both, which is pretty awesome.
1: Well, then the other part of the Texas experience is the fact that you have the exotics, right? So it's a year round opportunity. Um, and I, for me, I know one of the best tasting exotics I've had out of Texas is a black buck antelope. Um, delicious table fair and it's just a beautiful beautiful animal man
2: yeah and they're they're fun to pursue they're fun to just watch i mean so i i do i do uh been doing some guiding for a ranch um out of blanco texas and, uh, we've definitely got black buck and, and it's usually, you know, if I'm, especially if I'm with a tail hunter and we're in the pasture where we have exotics and there's only one on this ranch that has exotics, Um, dude, they're just, they're, they're awesome to watch while you're waiting for whitetail because it's, they're a lot like elk. They've got their little herd. You've got the, you've got the herd buck and then you've got these little satellite bucks that'll come in and these little guys will prance around and bob their head up and down like a, like a, what's up dude? What's up? What's up? You know, (laughs) that kind of thing. And man, then they'll just get after it. I mean, they're super aggressive and they'll just get after each other. But yeah, uh, black buck is great to eat fun to hunt fun to watch man I mean they're they're the they're the full package for sure oh yeah
1: when they when they get moving uh that's something phenomenal if they're moving you ain't shooting them either <laughs> oh no dude no they're <laughs> little lightning bolts yeah oh man that things move yeah so how does that you said your wife's a non-hunter right and you're hoping it one day so it's been she's uh 26 years me and the wife have been together i think we just made 22 yeah 22 married and this was her first her first time in the woods with me in colorado she i flew her out and she was in the woods for me for six days it was absolutely remarkable and then we drove to colorado um, to go on a disabled outdoorsman utah hunt this past weekend, and that was her first experience um, watching an animal be killed, oh. and it didn't even dawn on me. Right, I, I took it for granted, and I'm sitting there because we're we're filming the hunt for him, and uh, I thought about it, and and the the hunter Joe, he goes, "This is my first ram," and uh, I thought about, it, I go, "Holy crap! This is the this is the first time you've ever seen this," you know, and I got all excited, and it was pretty. It was pretty eye-opening for me um, to have that experience with her and then to talk to her about it, which I think I'm gonna sit down and record an episode with her. Um the perspective is something else, right? And I'm not sure what your wife's why your wife isn't into it. But you know, for my wife, she said, you know, living here in California, it was just something you weren't exposed to. Um, you know, until me and not that she has a problem with it, but she just never, you know, it was something that was never around, and and her appreciation for it um, was man, it just it melted my heart because she's, you know, she she doesn't have a problem eating it or anything. Only thing she wins for is when, uh, when we're. Um, field dressing the animal. She says, okay, I'm gonna walk away. Cause I don't want anybody <laughs> to see me wince. Um, uh, but it was pretty spectacular, man. It was a special moment. Um, uh, I can't wait until she's in the woods with me, you know, and I get to get to take an animal with her hair there, but it was, uh, it was phenomenal, dude. I, 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 look forward to hearing your wife, get out there with you and, uh, sharing that because, you know, that, that passion and that love we have for it is so deep that when they get to experience with us, you know, that with us is just another, another way to connect. It's phenomenal.
2: Yeah. And that's, that's what I want, man. I mean, she, she, my wife is so great and so awesome that like, like during COVID man, like, like I said, I was taking a seminary class. Um, and, and I mean, Look, I know that I can probably play it off. I'm a pretty smart dude, but I freaking hate school. And um, in anyway, I'm taking a seminary class. It's stressing me out. But, dude, I mean, she would literally kick me out because she she knows how much joy, like doing that, you know. So she would she kick me out. She like, Look, you need to go for a hike. You need to go fish. I don't care, you know. But that's that's kind of she knows how big of a deal it is for me to hunt and fish, and how I mean that it's not just something. Um, I like the idea of it's, it's something that is a part of me. It's a deep passion within me um, to hunt, to fish. I mean, just, just to even, I'm not a great photographer by any stretch, but even just to go outside and take pictures of stuff, uh, whatever that looks like for me. But I mean, she understands that. And so like you said, to connect on that deeper level with her will be incredible. Um, We've already discussed things that she um, would have an interest in shooting, which is, you know, a great step in the right direction. Um, which is, I mean, and her, her two animals right now, which are, it's just very interesting to me, uh, are pigs because she, she just knows what a nuisance they are here in Texas, of course. And then, uh, a turkey. And I asked her why, and I think, she, I think she, she, and she, she would still shoot a turkey, but I think she's changed a little bit. Uh, but she used to say, man, there's ugly birds <laughs> and Same but here. we've seen, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But we've, you, man, but once you get up real close and you kind of see the iridescence and the feathers um, and things like that, I mean, they're actually beautiful. I think they're, they're beautiful birds. Uh, but anyway, I mean, I, I would love, I just want to get her out, you know, and, and to do it. And so uh, both my girls, like I said, they, they love and going and, Sitting in a blind, but and and to be truthful, I think every parent knows this. My girls um, love it for about the first thirty minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> take candy and toys.
2: <laughs> yeah, man, I've, we've done. I've done it all. I, I take. Uh, I'll take an iPad. We definitely take uh, coloring book, sketch pad. You know those kind of things. And right now, man, my whole goal is to make it fun for them because, in all honesty, that's what my dad did for me and other guys that took me hunting. Um, I, I just, it was always fun, you know, so I always associated with fun, um, even fishing. Like when I ask people about fishing or hunting, usually like, oh, I didn't like to go. Cause I couldn't talk. Um, well I didn't, I mean, I didn't talk in my normal voice cause that's definitely frowned upon when you're in the woods. Oh yeah. Um, but I would ask questions and I was just very fortunate to have mentors that didn't just shush me, you know, when the time was right, they, they would either answer back or, you know, I mean, they would tell me, you know, like little hand signals, like stop or put their finger to their mouth or whatever. And, you know, and then then you, of course, are teaching patients and all those kinds of lessons as well. But I try to do the same thing for my girls. I mean, just to get them excited about it. You know, today we actually went to the uh, Houston Museum of Natural Science and History. I think it's what it's called, but anyway went to went, went there and we were walking through they have this beautiful these beautiful dioramas of uh texas wildlife and ecology and also a hall of africa um but man it was just cool because my daughters have seen a lot of these animals in the wild especially like um we've got to go down to a friend of mine's place in south texas where they have uh javelina and um you know my youngest daughter was like oh look daddy you've you shot one of those and I was like, yeah, and you were there, and she's five, and she was like, oh, she, and then she was, you know, and then she starts telling me about the hunt, and she remembers my friend's little daughter that was there, you know, with us, and, you know, all, all those kinds of things, and, and so that's, like, a cool memory for her, like, it was fun, you know, and so that's, that's what I try to create right now with them, of course, there's the, the harder lessons down the road, like, my oldest daughter has been hunting with me for Three or four years now and I mean she really hasn't had the desire to shoot a gun um yet and that's fine that's cool um and then you know I mean she she's already told me like that I don't know that if, if I could shoot an animal and I just told her hey that's that's you know that's that's okay you know you don't you don't have to you know like there's no pressure for me to make her want to do that um I just trying to do, um, you know, like I said, I just I want them to, to know that the outdoors is a place that can be fun, too. You know,
1: I, I so. think there's some there's that's what we want to do as parents. Right. And and reflecting on that, as you know, my kids have gotten older and finally moved out <laughs> um, <laughs> is the lessons and the value and the respect for life and the things that you get out of hunting. That aren't available on the iPad and, you know, via social media or TV, there's not enough of what we do for them to understand how valuable these things are. So the fact that, you know, our demographic. Um, is sharing that man. I, I, I can't, it just speaks volumes. Those, those values speak volumes to me. I should say it's amazing. The introspect they have on that circle of life and what they mean in it. Um, when you look at it, you know, my daughter, she's been out in the field with me. She's never, you know, (laughs) we took her out. I think she was probably somewhere between 10 and 12 and, uh, I bought them. I just bought them pellet guns. It was a uh, dove season and we were just sneaking up, you know, and she got one in that little scope and she looked at me with a tear at her eye. And, uh, <laughs> and she was like, I just can't do it. And I'm, it's your choice, you know, but from that yeah. point on that, you know, she understood that circle and that was part of the conversation was like, Hey, when, when mom's cooking, you know, a, whatever it is, I don't remember the conversation exactly, but if she's cooking a piece of steak, how do you think that happens? Um, so to see that full circle and that respect that comes from that is uh, is something phenomenal, man.
2: Yeah, well, and, and I think it's been one of those things that, uh, you know, I mean, I would definitely say quasi. I mean, mainstream, I think it, you know, I think we give a little too much credit how mainstream it's got. But there is that disconnect with a lot of folks uh, out there, you know, that are definitely killing, you know, all different kinds of cattle, you know, pork, cows. Uh, turkeys, you know, whatever else you know that you can get in your your grocery store is with a swipe of the credit card, you know, because it it happens. There's something that dies, and it dies somehow. But that that connection piece to it about about that, you know, I think is conversation that we should have with our kids. I mean, e- even if I mean, hey, if they if they like going to the grocery store and buying a steak, great. But do they know that connection that an animal actually died, or are they just seeing that slab of meat? you know, in there. Um, There's and that's no that's one thing though. No, exactly. And that's that's what's cool, you know, or because I've both so my oldest is 10, my youngest is five. And but it is neat to go into a store like right now and to, and to see that through my five-year-old's eyes, right? And you know, like I pick up pork chops and I tell her, hey, we got pork chops, or maybe we're grabbing some bacon or something like that. And she's like, Daddy, we're eating pig. I'm like, yes, baby, that's right. You know, like she, she knows at least that much. Um, and both my girls have seen deer, deer die, you know, um, for sure in, in front of them. Uh, matter of fact, last year, man, I was pretty, pretty proud of my oldest, um, Carson. Uh, we, we, w- we got to go out to a place and I, I shot a doe and man, I don't, I don't know what happened, bro, but this doe ran forever. And I thought, you know, like there's no way in hell I just missed that deer. I mean, it was staying at 80 yards broadside and i would nailed her with my 270. And I was just like, there is no way I just missed. But that, I mean, it ran forever. Um, sure enough, you know, we, we, uh, we track her and I mean, uh, she just, I don't know what happened, dude, but both lungs were punctured and she just, you know, those animals are tough. And so she ran for a long way and we, we, shoot, we tracked her in the rain. (laughs) I mean, this is a crazy experience, but we tracked her in the rain. I mean, like pin drops of blood, finally find her. And then, um, because it's super muddy, I I have a two wheel drive Tahoe. We end up dragging this doe, um, uh, man, probably 300, 400 yards to the Tahoe. And and she she helped me the whole way, man. She grabbed a back leg and she helped me pull it all the way to the Tahoe, man. And so, I'm just saying, like they know, like there's a connection piece there for them, and they've they've watched animals die, they've watched me field dress them. All you know, well, the youngest one hasn't watched me do that anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying, I think it is a a, a vital piece, especially you know, as hunters, like, are we, are we showing that to our children? And and I'm not even talking about, uh, I, cause I, I personally don't care. Like I'm, I'm not a snob about butchering your own animals, you know, like, uh, the reason I personally do it, it's, it's, I mean, I do like that connection piece to be able to say that I truly took it from field to table. There's definitely a sense of pride there, but it's also so, Way cheaper <laughs> <laughs> It's way cheaper for me to process my own meat than you know take it to a game processor, but um, you know I mean that's I think that's like you just said, I mean that circle of life thing, but I mean, just in the whole context of hunting, I mean are, what are you know that part of it? I mean, I mean, whether it's a five year old kid or a sixty year old that maybe gets out in the field for the first time and and kills a deer or goes dove hunting or whatever. There, there is that that uh, that piece to it that, that we all that we all know is at the end of uh, a, a successful hunt which right. is death
1: that uh you know and even if they choose not to partake later in life right the one thing i noticed was the appreciation for the cellophane and foam meat um yeah you don't see the waste um because right. you know i'll be dang if you know you you could drop a whole venison steak off the grill and uh it's still getting eaten it hits the floor, man. It's getting brushed off and it's getting eaten. It doesn't matter. But to see the appreciation and the understanding that, Hey, this is a life and it's not just a slab of meat, um, is, is part of that value to me.
2: Yeah, no, I agree, man. I agree hundred on, percent on that. And it's, it's, it truly really is about the value of life, which you know, I mean, we can get into this a little bit too, man. I mean, that's, that's one, that's one thing that I really have liked. Um, I think in the hunting culture, I mean, it's, it's definitely not as mainstream as I would like to see it, but is, is that piece of it is the value of life. I mean, but at the same time, bro, like, May, there are people out there, they just don't value life the same way that I, I'll, I'll, and I'll say this because I can't speak for you, but I think I know where you stand on this, just through this simple conversation here. And what I've seen from you and others that have been on your podcast and that we you know, follow mutually is there are people out there that hunt, but they don't have that same appreciation uh, and they don't put a high value on life as we do. And so, um, man, I mean, I I don't know, I don't know how to solve that issue, but I do like the fact that there are people out there that are legitimately trying to, to, um, as Robbie Kroger with blood origin says, I mean, change the narrative, uh, in, in hunting, you know, to where we need, we need better storytellers. But the thing is, it's not about podcasting. It's not about videos it's it's the the storytelling is connecting all the dots together when we do it whether it's a quick pick on Instagram give us a little bit of context right if you're gonna get on a podcast and talk about your hunt I, I just pray that you're you're truly connecting all the dots or you're doing a YouTube video let's let's see all of it you know as, as much as you want to show but let's let's talk about the hunt let's talk about the adventure whether it's prep and I don't care if you got out of your vehicle whether it's, it's walking through a gate, like here in Texas, you close the gate and a, you know, a nice 10 point buck steps up and you shoot it. Tell that story. You don't have to tell us that you, you know, walked in five miles and shot this deer. Same thing. I mean, look, man, if you got off the trailhead and you shot a six by six elk or a spike bull or, or a cow, man, just tell us the story but where is, is there that connection piece also at the end for the value of life shared? And I personally don't care if, um, you know, if you show us grilling meat later, you know, a day later, six months later or whatever, but did you show value of life in, in, whatever your portrayal is, even if it's me showing you just a straight picture off my phone, cause I'm not connected to Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Like what, what stories are we even sharing within our own circles? Right. Like and
1: I've been um, struggling with, with that man, with the finality, only displaying the finality of what we do. Um, and, yeah. and there's so there is the human elements <sighs> of what we do is so much more important than the finality part of it to me. Um, Man, oh man, oh man, I've been struggling. I, you know, I shot that. uh, I think most folks don't even know if I killed an elk in Colorado or not. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I posted that, that deer that I shot a couple weeks ago in Catalina and I wasn't going to post it, but the guys I was with did. And I and I was thinking about it and thinking about it. And it was just such an enjoyable hunting that island, man, is phenomenal. It is a next level experience. And that was the only reason I did it. It was just like, okay, I got there's some there's some back story that I could put to it. Um, but man, I've struggled with it so much lately because of what you're saying. You know, it's just the finality there's, there's no, there's no human element. There's no tears in it. There's no, you know what I mean? It's just the hard work. What's the guy's name? I just started listening to his podcast. Forgive me. Uh, it's elk shape Dan. I forget Dan's last name. And I heard him. I think he was on, I forget what he was on. I don't know. But anyway, I, I started listening to him and following him. And, and it kind of struck me. And, you know, it's one of his things like, uh, you know, you have 11 months, right? You have 11 months to prepare for this passion for going and chase. And this dude lives by it, dude. And yeah, I know, uh, he, yeah, you're right, man. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I know, I know exactly. What you're talking about
2: uh, a friend of mine that I knew that used to live in Texas, a guy named Jeff Bynum, I think Dud like helps put on his elk shaped camps, like that type of thing. And so yes, I think
1: of, damn it, I can't think of the guy's name, man. Ah nice, stand something but the the it's a phenomenal i I like his work ethic, I like his passion for i love his passion for it um, and just to see him put everything he has into that that to me is what is important in what we do right that the finality is like we you know cliches icing on the cake, cherry on top, whatever um but I agree you know what Robbie's doing is hugely important and that's one of the things when i you know talk to him when he asked me to do mine um you know we're talking he wants to talk to a a, the non-hunting demographic right not so much an anti but the non-hunting demographic and to tell these stories and explain why it's not for us we already have that understanding (laughs) Um, and there's a lot of a lot of that conversation in my opinion hunters miss right because we we have been on our heels or the defensive for so long that a lot of people, and I've been there where it's like, you know what? Screw you. You know, or you go in a corner and hide, you know, and whisper, you know, that yeah. you're a hunter. And that's what I, I laugh about California all the time. You know, you could be in a room with 10 hunters and you'll never know. And uh <laughs> you'll just catch something, you know, somebody'll have a a shirt on or something. Hey, hey, you hunt. <laughs> right. You know, it's like stealthy ninja hunters. Uh yep. if we were st- if they were that stealthy in the woods, man, there'd be racks everywhere. But you know, it, it's just it's so important to to share that human element and to pass the values and display it in such a way that yes, we can enjoy it. And yes, we can, you know, put our chest out, but we can't be so argumentative that we harm ourselves in it. Right. I mean, we are a, a minority demographic.
2: Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is like going back to, you know, like I'm not even talking about like the, I don't know, man. I just feel like some of this crowd that we're talking about, like changing the narrative needs to happen. I mean, let's, let's just be honest because like you just said, we are a minority. um, But I think there needs to be such a better understanding because for so long, we as hunters, as fishermen, um, you know, like those kind of things. Yeah. We get pretty snotty about it too, you know, to where it's like that to hell with you. Like you're, you're not a hunter. Um, I don't, I'm not going to explain myself to you. Or if you do, it's just, it's just like, we give them the, the double bird. you know, two, two fingers flying and they're just like, screw you. You're not a hunter. Um, so you don't understand, you don't get it. Well, the thing is, is like, okay, cool. Uh, my my whole thing is this, like I, I'm, I'm not saying like we got to be super snotty about it. It's, it's about better engagement just with people period. And, and this, the people that you just named and I, and I put you in this category, you know, we talk about, uh, and I can't remember his name either, man. I just call him elk shape. That's just what it's, I, it, that's it, what I just call looked it dude. up.
1: I, I looked it up and I apologize to him, but uh, Dan Staten, Awesome. Dan,
2: Robbie, uh, yourself. And there are others, right. That, I mean, in all honesty, it's all about others too, because like elk shape, like, I mean, he's, he's trying to help people do what he does. He's, he's not in it for, you know, trying to just like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this. This is my passion. You know, like get off my mountain, you know, like that type of thing, because you know, or or i I'm I'm going to hike all these. Mo- no, he's trying to bring people along um, with him. I mean, my my buddy Jeff, um, he he does a financial piece that helps guys like that are better. T- I mean, to like kill debt, so that I mean, in all honesty, so that they can pursue hunting. Uh, and and do things like that. And and Jeff, if you listen to this, and I've just butchered what you do, my friend, I apologize.
1: <laughs> what's what's, <laughs> his, what's his name? Jeff Bynum.
2: Witt. Jeff Bynum. B y n u m Bynum. Bynum. Um, but he he does uh, you know financial. Uh, I mean, he 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 really does. He helps guys try to get in a better position financially. <gasps> Number one, I mean, truly, I mean, for themselves, for their families, to be healthy financially, and then, the, I mean, just, uh, and then a fruit of that is being able to like save up money. Maybe because you know your 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 big dream hunt to where Jeff will help you, you know, say, hey man, you got to save ten grand to go up to Alaska to hunt moose. I'm sure that's pretty pretty cheap, but you get the picture, you know. Like he he will help you get in a place to where like, hey man that's within reach. It's a couple of years away. Here's a big hunt for you. Let, how can I help you? You know, I mean, number one, I mean, if you get all your finances in order, um, it's just going to be great for you and your family. But then there's that, that, like I said, that fruit that, that is produced where you get to go produce, you know, you get to go produce, you get to go and pursue your passion as I was trying to say. So, um, but Like Dan, Robbie, man, Robbie's trying to do it on a global level, which is incredible. And yes, again, it's about others. It's not about Robbie Kroger, you know? I mean, that's, that's a thing. That's amazing. And then guy, you've done the same thing, man. I mean, we, we all see it through you going and helping these folks out and bringing light to things like these hunters that uh, have ailments in their life um, for whatever, whether they be veterans, whether they were born this way, but you brought light to these awesome men and women um, that are able to go out and pursue things in the outdoors. Um, You know, and again, I'm just saying it's because it's about others more than anything else is, um, you know, all, all of you in, in my estimation, I mean, you just show it like, Hey, man, if I can do it, you can do it too. And how can I help you do this, whether it be, you know, through working out through finances, through just a little bit of inspiration, you know, uh, shoveling some, some fuel for the fire for passion, you know, pursuing things out in the outdoors or whatever, but usually more than anything else. I mean, it's, it's about others, which is pretty, pretty rad in my
1: book. <laughs> i appreciate being included with that uh with those guys there man but if you if you think about that right and what and what it means to us and how it's hunting has literally made me a better person over the years right and every time i go in the woods or on the mountain and i come off I feel like I'm, you know, it might be minute, but I'm a better person, right? There there's something that I left there that didn't that didn't need to be there or I just outgrew it in that moment. Um, but I I and that's the part of it for me that's like, man, I want to share I want to share the power of what it does. And again, going back to it, the human element. I mean there and, and I look at what Robbie's doing, right? He he's so passionate about it. That he's looking on it, like you said, a global, <clears throat> excuse me, a global level and looking at how hunting impacts us, not just in our personal life, but how it impacts communities. Um, you know, the I, I started, I did the or doing the fundraiser right now, right? And I have mixed emotions and and, and I'll just be honest. It didn't do what I thought it was going to do. My goal was to do $1,000 per, right? I figured at $10 a raffle ticket for some phenomenal causes that focus on the human element, dude, it is – it has all but flopped in my opinion. Um, And it's disappointing. And I'm not sure how I feel about (laughs) – I'm trying to be nice. Screw it. I'm not going to be nice. I'm trying to figure out how I feel about – who we are when you look at how passionate we say we are about this and how much we want to keep it around and $10 can help a disabled hunter, a a vet a first responder, someone that absolutely needs to be out in the field or in Robbie's, you know, with Robbie's, it was the, it's, it is the sun project, Um, raise them outdoors, right. And getting kids out. And we don't, we we really don't walk the walk as a demographic so you know when you when you look at these folks that are doing it uh and trying to share that man you can't i don't know i i can't say enough about those folks and like i say to be included on that you know on that list there man i appreciate that but it's crazy that that impact that we can have if we if we truly come together as a community
2: let me talk about a couple things. Number one, first I'm my butter, your biscuit a little bit in just saying that, um, who, who else, who else took on such a huge deal, bro, to where that, I mean, you you didn't just try to help veterans. You didn't just try to help, you know, a, a kid's charity. I mean, you, you did several things at one time. So, I love the fact that you set that bar high in your expectations and I would have done the same thing and I would have felt the same way. But I hope that somebody just like you would have come to me and say this, what I'm about to say to you is thank you. Thank you for doing it. This is your first time out, I think, in doing something like this. I mean, this, And you try to do it on a grand scale. And man, whatever money you raised, uh, it's going to be appreciated. I mean, to no end. I mean, just the fact that somebody's going to think that somebody thought of them in the way that you do. And so, but at the same time, man, I, and I also have a different perspective just in, in, a, in a spiritual way, man. I mean, just as a, as a Christian, as a minister of the gospel, I mean, man, it's, I think, yes, there needs to be awareness, and, and, but there also needs to be action. And so I, I agree with you 100%, man. And I see this daily, I mean, daily where people are like, man, I I want this to survive or I want this to keep going or whatever. But then when it comes to it, they don't want to put the elbow grease to it or they don't want to put money behind it or whatever, man. And so I just I mean, it's it is something that we are definitely struggling with in the Western world no doubt about it. Cause I guarantee you, if you just had this conversation with pastors and I'm not, and I'm not talking about like tithing to meet a church budget. I'm just talking about meeting needs in the community of maybe, you know, giving $10 to the church so they can fill their food pantry. You know, like I'm I'm talking about things like that, you know? So, so don't, don't hear me talk about just like tithing and trying to, pay your pastor or pay the bills at like the church building. I, I just mean, I see it a lot, man. Um, and especially in, in ministry with young people and teenagers, do you have parents that are willing to drop thousands upon thousands of dollars for them to play football, baseball, volleyball, uh, choir, you know, voice lessons for choir or things for theater or whatever. And then, you know, like they're in middle school and they're coming to youth group in middle school because it's fun, but then get into high school and life gets really busy academically with extracurriculars. And then they come to the youth pastor or pastor and they go, man, uh, I don't know why my kid doesn't believe in God anymore. And I go, well, because you're investing in the wrong freaking thing.
1: <laughs> That's it. Yep.
2: You know? And so, I mean, and, and, and it's the same thing with hunting. What are the things that we're actually investing in truly, you know? And so it's, it's, it's that kind of thing, man. And um, those are the conversations I love to have with people. I mean, not, and I don't mean necessarily in a confrontational way, but I like to have those conversations with people because uh, we we need to have them. We need to have constructive criticism in our lives, and we've gotten away from that. Um, you know, what, like
1: look what that's done. <laughs> uh, exactly, man.
2: I mean, I I should, you know, I mean, like you talk about going to the mountain and, and coming out a better person because it it truly is the victories and the defeats in the wilderness that I, 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 know that I, cause I can say the same thing that have made me a better person. Um, I, I made a post, uh, and I don't, I don't know if it was in stories. I don't know if it's on my Instagram page, but my wife, I went, we went out to a buddy of mine's ranch and they have several stock tanks. I mean, I was out there fly fishing for a long time. And my wife was like, I just admire your patience in like fishing and like being able to stay out there and like do it. And I, I told her, I was like, don't, mistake my patience for my freaking stubbornness and my ego
1: because
2: I wasn't catching I wasn't catching crap but I'm such a competitor man that I was like I know there's fish in this dang pond and I'm gonna catch one you know and it's a it's a and it's a and it's and it truly is like a stock tank you know what I mean so it should be freaking easy it's just like high fence hunting it should be easy (laughs) you know but Anyway, and so that's what I told her. I said, don't... don't." Oh, patience for pride is what I told her. I was like, don't don't mistake my patience for pride because, I mean, but it's it's the same thing with hunting, right? Like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to sit and you know what? It may take me 30 days to kill something or not, but man, you get to work out um some things in your life when you are I mean even if you're hunting with you know your best friend or or not or whoever or by yourself solo you get to work some stuff out like on, on in the inside um and, and yeah man I mean just all those lessons that we talk about I mean whether it's patience perseverance I mean how to deal with defeat a lot of times for fishermen and hunters and also I mean to be honest I mean to even deal with success what does that look like? Um, you know, and, and, and some of that, and and some of us, let's be honest. And I'm, and I look, man, I'm one of them. Uh, sometimes I, I mean, I have not dealt with victory very well when I'm in the field, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, whatever that may look like, but at the same time, I love it when, when, Men and women show emotion in the field, whether it's beating their chest, or you know, fist pumping the air, or letting out a primal scream, or I mean, just sitting on their knees and bawling their eyes out. Whatever that looks like, I'm all good with it, man. I love it. I love seeing it in sports. Uh, there have been times where um, I, I wish, like, a certain pastor you know, would do it because they just freaking slayed a sermon, right? Like, I just want to, I just want to see him not, and I don't mean out of pride. I just mean, because man, they just did something incredible. Right. And so uh, anyway, man, I just, uh, to kind of wrap that piece up, I mean, what what are we really investing in truly, you know, as, as hunters, as outdoorsmen, um, you know, when we make our videos or take a picture whether we share it on social media or not, what what are we doing? And how are we investing in the narrative of the story? And is it and and we really do got to look at the scope to where it is a little bit bigger than us, right? I mean, so Absolutely. what are we truly investing in?
1: You know, so you talk about victory and, and I'll refer to hunting, right? But but victory and hunting is a weird thing. And and going back to what I said earlier is we focus on the finality but that is dude to to have a you know like we in colorado right my buddy drew drew's a big dude man um he ain't the greatest hunter (laughs) um (laughs) sorry drew I'm just messing um but he's a big dude muscle is expensive on a mountain and to watch that guy day in and day out follow me over deadfall and you know up and down and up and down and deal with those I mean there's victory in all that man so going back to what you said displaying that and and really looking at you know, we call them small victories right we we always refer to those things that we accomplish Without the, you know, air quote success of notching a tag, we call those small victories. And they are not by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if you saw that video. I don't know if I have story posted or not, but uh, my buddy Caesar, that went. And yeah, dude.
2: Uh, yes, yes. Right? yes, dude. Yes. You,
1: you got three grown, you know, ass men, uh, you know. Macho or whatever, and and I'm running away, so I'm not tearing up. You know what I mean? We're all choked <laughs> up. Drew's like, you're making me cry. You know, and we yeah. look back. He looked back at that cliff, and I mean, you're talking a guy that this is his, this is his, literally his first season. He's been shooting. The guy's a phenomenal archer, but he's been shooting his bow for four years, uh, and wasn't. You know, oh, I'm not ready. I don't think I'm ready. I, how do I do this? How do I do? Just come with us, and to watch him turn back and and look at me go did we just come from over there and i'm like yeah buddy and i mean just just tears were just falling out of his face man it was the great you that is not a small victory right and and to not to not uphold that like we do notch in a tag is just it, it is absolutely foolish in my book man it was that was something that the three of us will never ever forget in our days man will yeah, never forget well, it
2: yeah i mean there's i'm thinking of different examples i could go with but uh because we're still you know just talking about like hunting and definitely outdoors i mean the closest thing that i have to a moment like that is um you know again uh on this pastoral sabbatical this was about two years ago i think now um we went on this tough hike man and um uh, a tough hike. And and I just say it like this. I mean, we're flatlanders. A majority of us are, are, are from Texas. We don't have elevation. We don't have thin air, um, things like that. I was actually in better shape then than I am right now. Um, but we, we went and I had a buddy of mine that had gotten some not so great medical news. I mean, nothing like super serious, but it was definitely like, you need to change your habits, you know, you need to quit drinking, you need to quit eating crappy food, you know, all this stuff. And so my buddy Dave, um, so we started doing that. He started exercising. He's like, man, I'm going on that hike with you guys. I was like, awesome, man. It's gonna be great. Cause Dave is, uh, like a mentor and a brother to me. And, uh, so I was like, this is, this is gonna be great. It's gonna be epic. And then I had another guy, man, and he's, he's a big dude and he is overweight and he went and man, he was on the struggle bus all the way there. Um, but I know that, you know, like when he got there, the views were worth it. And dude, I mean, I, I don't know if, um, if anybody else saw it, but when he realized that we, now you have to go back because that's the other part of it, right? Like you scale that cliff, I'm sure you all went a different way, but could you imagine if you told him like, Hey bro, um, in about two or three hours, we're going to have to go back that way. Cause that's the only way out of you know this <laughs> valley you know like that kind of thing where you're just like oh man like, i don't know if i can do it again um but my buddy man we get back and we get back to the trailhead and i'll be honest with you dude there were a lot of dudes cussing my name that day cuz they were like i cannot believe that we let this idiot talk us into going on this hike um and i could hear them like just like, like on on the way to our destination and uh anyway we get back dude we get back to the parking lot and my buddy, his name is Brian. Dude. I remember asking him, Hey man, this is great. Like I'm trying to pump him up. Right. Like that victory, like he made it, he made it, he did it. And he was like, bro, that was the biggest waste of freaking time in my (laughs) life. Right. But man, i tell you what, two days later, he was like, dude, I want to do it again. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, you're right, man. I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, if it's hunting or something else like that, like, Let's live, let's, let's live in those like things, you know, um, uh, because I agree, man. I mean, the other thing is I loved about your story that I, I don't, I mean, you definitely didn't share that part was, or maybe, maybe you didn't, I just forgot, but with Caesar that I loved what you said it was like, man, I don't know. I'm not ready. You're like, no dude, come, come with us. Like that's another thing that we in the hunting community need to be a lot better at doing Um, and I don't mean just taking, you know, like, I think it's, I think it's become one of those things too, where it's like, Hey, take a new hunter out. Yes. I absolutely believe that we should do those things and we need to be better at it. But what about those guys that have been floundering for the last couple of years and we're watching them and we have done nothing Nothing, to reach out to those guys. And they're like, they're passionate about it. They're in it. Like they're, you know, they're going to come back for their, fourth year of going out to the elk woods and they have no idea what they're doing or the whitetail woods or whatever. And I just want to, I mean, that's one thing, man. Let's, I encourage us all to like, let's, let's reach out to some of those guys that we know that are passionate and man, they just have not tasted any quote unquote success or I shouldn't say quote unquote, as you put it, notching the tag. They have not felt that success of notching the tag. What can we do? Either in season or even during the off season to sit down with them and just figure out maybe you know what it is that they you know are doing or are not doing to where we can point them in the right direction that or maybe next season or or even right now maybe we're able to help them I mean whitetailed deer hunting is going on here in Texas archery wise I mean rifle season is getting ready to to pop off here in a couple of weeks and I mean. Uh, I'm just saying, if you're listening to this and you're a white tail hunter, I'm, I, I've i been doing it for 30 years. But I'm by no means an expert, but I can probably teach you a lot about what not to do in the woods. That's for sure. <laughs> that's one thing we can all do.
1: That's what I always say, man. I got, a, yeah, I got man. an envelope so, full so- of tag soup recipes, man.
2: Yeah, dude. I mean, so please, I'm just, I'm just telling you, please, I mean, make me put my money where my mouth is and hold me accountable. So if you're a hunter and you feel like you're floundering, um, please reach out to me. You know, I, I would love to have a conversation with you and and do what I can to help you out for sure. You don't have to be a Texan. I just mean, let's have a chat and let's just see what's going on and try to figure it out. Um, you know, I've had a couple of guys that just, Honestly, I mean, they set up blinds and feeders, um, on some little properties around Dripping Springs where I live and, um, they haven't been, they hadn't seen deer. And then when I told them about like wind, like don't set your blind up (laughs) where the wind is blowing straight to the feeder. Like they had no idea. They just were like, Hey man, I'm going to, I'm going to throw corn out and, you know throw up a pop-up blind or I'm going to build a blind and send it right here but yeah you know like we have in uh in the summertime we have a pretty uh prevailing south wind and then it changes about mid November where the wind comes out of the north and you know I mean people don't know that kind of stuff I learned it somewhere you know what I'm saying and I'm it's one of those things I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to talk about my past mistakes to hopefully help somebody be a little more successful than me early on in their their hunting career.
1: <laughs> well, you know what's what's funny when you talk about recruitment, right? And and you bring this up in the conversation is, you know, and I think a lot of it is it, it's it is the catchphrase of the day, if you will, right? Um but going back to those guys that are struggling, now we talk about recruitment and we're, you know, we gotta get new hunters and we gotta, you know, keep this going and blah, 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 And then, you know, you look at that guy that's struggling, he might not seen a deer for three, four, five years. Um, Now he's like, okay, forget this. I've spent this much time, this much money, I'm done with this. And then we'll bash on the guy for asking for information. Right? So yeah, then, man. So, wow. so where do they, yeah. like, where the heck what is it the three r's right where does that come in to where now we're gonna we're gonna crap on you because you're asking for information because you're struggling out there you can't find the help and now this guy is like okay forget it i can't even get the help with these guys now all hunters are a-holes um yeah i just i don't understand it i don't understand it uh we're, we're we're our own friggin worst enemy uh when it comes to things like that man
2: yeah. Well, I mean, on, on many fronts, right. I mean, hunters are our own worst enemies on many fronts and that's, that is one of them. Um, because you're right, man. Like I've, I've seen it. Um, I, look, I've, I've experienced it recently just fly fishing forums. I am a little older. I will say that. So like getting into fly fishing, you, there's, there's even questions you don't ask right? Like when you're, you're starting out, like, but we, like people don't, some of these people just don't know. So, I mean, I had a, I had a leg up in that department when asking questions about like fly fishing tips or things like that, right? Like a person that's new to hunting, they're going to ask the question, like, especially if they're public land hunter and that's all they got access to and somebody kills a deer or maybe somebody has been seeing deer or whatever. What do they ask? The obvious question, right? Man, where is that? What spot is that? And then, I mean, that, then that dude just gets hammered on like, bro, I'm not gonna tell you and, and but you I mean thing is, yes, I get it in this situation maybe the the hunter that's seeing animals and all that stuff they didn't know that this dude is just a rookie hunter, right, but who who's there to really take these guys and girls and just and just help because you're right, man, anytime they ask any sort of question, we roll our eyes and' like, are you an idiot?" and then we realize like oh, like like your wife, for instance. Man, she hasn't had any exposure to hunting. My wife, very little. I mean, she is she got it. You know, it's probably like drinking out of a water hose sometimes for her. Living with me, <laughs> you know, to where I just I just start downloading because she's a person I talk to about it. Um, but you know, the same thing, like not a whole lot of exposure there. But if she started asking me questions, of course she's my wife. Yes, I may roll my eyes or just go like, uh, I'm what? Like what are you even asking? Like I, I get it. And so all I'm saying is, it's like, yeah, dude, you're, you're right. I mean, we, we need to be better about being open to asking questions. Um, I think right before we jumped on, I think you posted like on Instagram, like you and I are getting on together and, and there's a guy, man, that I, I think he probably gets more, more hate than he lets on, but a guy named Alan Yates, um, that man, like uh, journey to the hunt and gosh man i mean that's what's been really cool honestly about watching that guy but i'm that dude's tough like I, i'm pretty sure he's from outside of chicago i mean no, no joke but like it's in a stereotype there to where like he's like this you know like uh, midwestern uh you know I, mean, I don't think he lives in the inner city then alan if you listen to this you you can let us know but he but he's a, he's like that you know almost like you know chicago tough type dude to where he's like look man I'm going to push through and I'm going to continue to do this, but not everybody has that fortitude to kind of sift through the things because I know him being a new hunter and he's, man, he's out there with his stuff. And my, I mean, I tip my cap to you, Alan, because, uh, that dude's failed quite a bit, but, but done a really good job. I think of trying to find people that would take him like, you know, under their wing to lead him to success, and he's had some success. And dude, he—I think he started out bow hunting. You know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I—I'm I, pretty sure he started out bow hunting, which is tough. But I mean, dude, to put that all on full display, and then to have those haters—I mean—is exactly what you and I are speaking to right now.
1: I think you with a Alan- of guys
2: being
0: like. Oh,
1: I'm sorry, man. I, mean, I didn't cut you off. I no. think what I no, think no, no, what Alan ahead. I think what Alan. It's the puka shell necklace. <laughs> 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 Maybe so, dude. I, I yeah. gave a mess because he he was actually born here in California, and I think he said he was two or three when they moved to uh, moved to uh, Illinois. But uh, I give a mess about the puka shell. That's his Cali boy coming out. Not all of us wear well, puka you, shells. <laughs> yeah, dude. Well, I mean,
2: between the flat brim hats and the puka shells out there, I mean, you guys ever kill anything?
1: <laughs> we we got it. We got it locked. But you forgot about the uh, the uh, cutoff sleeves, man. <laughs> well, and you're, I mean, and it's funny because like Californians wear
2: jorts, but they're usually skaters, right? Uh, and then we wear jorts, but it's usually you know rednecks. So right. <laughs> um, there's got to be some bridge that we can build
1: uh there together too yeah it's uh we're hunters <laughs> that might be the first <laughs> that might be the first one we look at that might span some stuff there folks you're you're right man <laughs> that's but, crazy you know, Pugas, alan puga shells don't hey man you,
2: you keep doing you bro don't let guy mess with you bro
1: <laughs> oh i'm the least of his worries because yeah he catches some flack man and you know i he get does. it and, and that has to be a hard thing and i think i told him that is you know here you are you're you know Sorry, Alan, if I'm aging you, man, but, you know, your late 30s, early 40s and you're you're stepping out into this new venture. Right. And a lot of our demographic likes to say that they've been doing it their whole lives. Um, I think there's more of us that haven't been at this point um, and we just don't. We just don't, you know, speak that truth, I think, because um, there's a lot of folks, man, that, uh, you know, there's a lot that have been doing it a long time, but there's a whole lot that are new to it um, that started late in life, if you will, or, you know, teens and things like that. But the the balls that it takes for that guy to say, hey, I'm a newbie at this age and lay his pride down. um, regardless of how naive one is and i'm not saying that alan's naive but regardless how naive one is to it to not lend some kind of hand you know what i mean i just i don't get it dude i don't get it you know i got a couple spots and, and i'm not patting myself on the back by any stretch of the imagination i have a couple spots and I know plenty of guys that, you know, have struggles with it. And I say, Hey man, I, I got a spot, but here's the deal. It has deer get this tag. Um, and it's typically an either sex tag go in there. Let me know, you know, when you do it, harvest an animal. But when you, once you harvest an animal, stay off the spot, right? That's all I mm. ask is stay off the spot at some point, you know, pay that forward to someone else and send them in there so they can have that same success. And everybody that I've done that to will say, Hey, I'm going, I'm going to the spot. Um, I'm going to be over here. And oh man, I saw it. And, and just, just, just the fact that these guys hadn't seen deer and the couple that I've been in there, my buddy Makana, I took him, I think it's been two years now. He had been hunting for, Three, four years, had uh, early success his first year um, on, a, on a small buck, and then hadn't seen a deer since. And I was listening to him and I'm going, you know what, dude, Let, let's go. And to watch the expression on his face when he glassed up his first deer was, was all I needed to know that I made the right decision. And it was downhill from there. I think I have like three or four people going to that spot. I could probably never go again, but it's just, it's those small things that are going to keep this moving and to show those new guys that there's more than what we're displaying, you know, now on social media, that it's a notch tag, that, that fin- again.
2: Yeah, man, I, I, I agree with you. Um, yes. I mean, that's, that's it. I think it's just being willing to lay our pride down. And, and I will speak as a hunter that has been doing it for a long time. It is laying our pride down and just being willing to share, to share what we know. And the thing is, look, man, you don't have to give up your secret spots, but man, if you, if you do, then good on you for doing that. But man, what about just tips, tactics? Um, you know, I mean, ask, I mean, truly being interested in the hunt and asking them like, man, I'm not seeing deer. And because like the, the, the spot that you're talking about, I mean, maybe, you know, that like, Hey, look, there there is that prevailing wind out of whatever. So make sure that you set up on the, you know, West for Westward side and look down at the meadow or in the trees or whatever, you know, I mean, just even simple things like that. And then they go, Oh my gosh, I've never seen so many deer," And all I did was set up on a different side right, from where I've, I've sat up.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean but, just but how is that a secret spot, right? Especially when you start talking about out here out west, right? It's public freaking land. You know what I, I mean? Know, man. And I, yeah. I, I think part of it and I know part of it for me is when you look at it and you talk to folks it is the level of effort that they've put in to be successful. And I think that's where we stake our claim. Right. And 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 I've done it with this spot. Right. I'm saying, hey, you go harvest a deer, you know, bounce out. That's not my that's not me staking claim in my head. That is me wanting to keep that spot viable for guys that are struggling. And then those guys pay it forward so they see the value in that. Uh, so I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but there there has to be some level To where we just step back from it and say, well, wait a second, this isn't, this is public land that I'm hunting, right? There's probably 10, I don't go into the woods without seeing nobody, man. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know. It's crazy to me how, how cautious we are with those things. Now, if you go to a spot and you ain't never seen nobody, you've been hunting for 15 years, you know, maybe you're packing in, you know, I don't know, 10, 12 miles or something good on you. But yeah, we, we gotta do better.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, if it's that fantastic, you know, cause I've got mixed, I've got mixed feelings about that just because, and I don't really have any, uh, like on the hunting side of it, I don't really have anything to go with, but I mean like fishing spots, uh, especially like down on the coast, like fishing holes and things like that. I mean, same thing. It's public water. Um, you know, but I always, I mean, I, I never really gave up or shared, you know, things like that. Um, but I mean, I, but I get it too, right? Like, I mean, even if you take your friends and there was like in high school, especially when I was really, I mean, when I was living down on the coast, there's a couple times I took some guys to some spots where, um, we'd go and we'd catch redfish and drum often. And then, you know, like I'd, I'd, show up there, you know, like with my mom and my mom, avid angler, um, grew up on the Texas coast. I mean, she fishes with the best. And I don't, I don't mean like us in a boat you know, I'm, I'm talking like wade fishing. So like working for it. Um, you know, like I, we, me and my mom would show up and then like, it'd be like, like I'd have, there'd be like five or six teenage dudes out there. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> like what, what's up? But at the same time, I mean, they, they were there first, right. It's, it's public. I mean, I, I can be upset all day or we can, or we can all just try to fish and have a good time together. You know what I mean? So, well, a viable
1: um, spot is a viable spot for a reason, right? I mean, you know, yeah. there there are those instances where you catch them in transition, um, you know, talking hunting. I mean, fishing is a is quite a bit different, right? I mean, if you got a shoal or a reef or something, um, that that's going to hold fish. It's it's just gonna it's just going to hold fish, uh, and you talk about you know population density of animals uh, when we're hunting that could have a factor or if you, you know, you're giving that spot up, it's viable for a reason guys, but Hey, there's this four by four, man. I just ask you not to shoot that four by four, but there's three other bucks I saw in there. Right. I'm after this one deer. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with those conversations and hopefully the guy doesn't get the uh, squirrely and say, screw you and shoot him. I've had, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had a guy, yeah. I, I had a guy. I, so I, I gave him the spot and, uh, calls me and says, Hey, I'm in here. All right. I went up and he's in there with a buddy. And I'm like, Oh man, you know, like, I don't know this dude. And part of me was bummed out. And then I I thought about it. I'm like, okay, he's, he's nervous to go in by himself, right? He's a new guy. and, And that's just part of it. Um, but I was a little bit peed off by it because it was like, man, I just, you know, we just had this conversation. You, you're not a, You know okay and everything and then i i see this dude in there but i don't know whatever i digress but a viable spot's a viable spot for a reason so you know the fact that we think that that one deer or you know those three fish are really going to matter at that spot it's probably not the case
2: yeah no you're you're right i mean yeah and i'll agree with you i mean fishing is definitely different than hunting the principle is still the same, right? Yeah. I mean, because even, even what you're talking about right now, you know, a viable spot is a viable spot. And there is there is a reason that it's there. And I mean, look, dude, we, we all, I mean, especially if you've been hunting for a long time or, or I'll just say this, you, you start reading, you know, hunting. Well, I was about to date myself, man. I mean, I've, you know, reading hunting magazines, but I guess now we're reading articles online. But I mean, there's usually one somewhere or two that come out once a year where it talks about you know friends going out hunting and a, a dude shoots a deer right or an elk or whatever and they've been hunting together and they know that, that friend has been like watching this animal for a while or whatever and then the friend shoots it and this 30-year relationship is buddy buddies ends i mean it's just it, it's it's crazy how we get with that kind of stuff, you know, but that, I think that even ties in a little bit to what we're talking about here about like pride and ego and can, can we be happy? Right. Um, And and I understand that there's that, you know, I'm going to be very generous and say 1% that would just be dastardly just to do it because they, you know, uh, they didn't want to be shown up by their friend, even though they knew right they knew that man I, he's been watching this animal you know for years or even just a couple of weeks or whatever there there are those people out there that are just straight a holes that are just gonna shoot that animal anyway um so there is that factor as well but yeah man, I think it's just it's it's the laying down the pride and the ego um and I think trying to be more welcoming, you know just. Two to men and women that are just starting out and they're wanting to ask questions and they don't know who to go to and all of those things. And I think more of us as seasoned uh, hunters need, need to be willing to share, I mean, at, at the very least, tips and tactics. And man, if you get an opportunity to actually go sit in the woods with these folks, absolutely do it you know, absolutely go do it. And, and, you know, maybe these folks have a spot that they have access to a spot that you don't, but you're able to go sit with them. And like you said, I mean, uh, to, to watch it, watch things unfold in their, in in their world and watch their eyes light up and just to see it through their perspective. Um, and, and you're able to offer some sort of help that is, really no benefit to you other than getting to experience that with them, man, that's magical.
1: That's magical. You're changing a life. I mean, you literally are changing a life when you introduce someone in that way. And the impact that hunting has on you as a person, when you share that you're, you're changing a freaking life. Their, their set of values is going to change. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent agree, man. So I'm a sidetrack us a little bit. Um, cool. So man, I, you know how how I learned of you was uh, you doing your lives, and I'm I'm kind of stubborn with things, right? And and I'm not very moved by a lot of people or or most people, I should say. But for whatever reason, when Shook speaks and when you are talking about the gospel, um, I'm moved. I, I mean, just about every time I'm moved. Um, so why don't we talk about, you know, your ministry and, you know, and I put it in our bullets, you know, cleared for takeoff and how you doing that is not only helping you, uh, but it is helping other folks.
2: Well, I'm. Um- Glad to hear that somebody actually watched those. That's yeah. great. <laughs> um, no man, um, so, you know, it was a crazy deal. You know, during COVID, just to to even talk about that is, um, you know, COVID came around, and you could tell, man. I mean, there's just a lot of anxiety g- going on because n- nobody knew. I mean, t- I mean, even even now, like, I'm just I'm just gonna say this, and I know there's differing opinions, but I I feel like to an extent for me, I've got it figured out. And I don't mean like all figured out. I'm, I'm willing to humble myself and say that I may be wrong, but I do have my own informed opinion about COVID-19 right now. Okay. But back then, nobody knew. Like, I mean, I, I don't care. And if you're going to tell me, Oh, I knew the whole time, that's total bullshit. And I'm just going to say that right now. So, the lives, man, I could just tell. And I'm just, I mean, honestly, man, I'm I'm sitting at home and I just, I really just wanted to get on line with people that I knew that I could have a conversation with and hopefully bring some sort of hope and perspective to the time. I mean, not, not belittle it, not try to just blow sunshine up people's skirts, but truly try to bring hope. In, in a time of just anxiety and fear and doubt. And so, uh, man, I, I just, I really felt a movement from the Lord to do that. And so, uh, so I did, man. I mean, every, every day during the week, Monday through Friday, I'd hop on with somebody. Um, some of them were really dear friends of mine. Others were just like, uh, you know, I mean, there's no other way for me to explain it other than I really felt the Holy Spirit just saying, Hey, reach out to this person. and see if they'll go live with you. And so I did. And, and so, I'm I'm super grateful and thankful, um, for those that joined me. Um, and I'm super thankful for anybody that watched them, but also felt moved. And so, man, it, it really is highly honoring to me that you felt that way. And so, you know, the way that I would describe my ministry is, um, I just try, I try my best to, number one, to be obedient to the father and the son and the Holy spirit and, and, uh, try to live a life that is holy and pleasing to God, which is in Romans twelve one, to, to, for my body to be a living sacrifice, um, and just to live out, um, peace, hope, and love um, to the the fruits of the spirit, you know, kindness, peace, patience. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, (laughs) I'm not a scripture guru. I know that that is in Galatians five, but I don't know the exact address. So forgive me, but I've never been that guy. Um, And then, I mean, and honestly, I try to live those things out in a way that is truly authentic and genuine um, to, to me, I just try to be me and who Christ intended me to be. And I've messed it up <laughs> a lot. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of just trying to do what the Lord has called me to do and being obedient, uh, in that way. Um, but you know, I mean, that's what I want to be, man. I, I want to, I want people to know both the truth of the gospel, the very real truth, of Jesus, who he is, what he came to be, who the father is, or what his real character is, that he's not some angry God, um, that he's a loving God. Um, but, but that we operate also, I mean, truly, if you believe in Jesus, there's a thing called the Holy spirit, which the church has done a terrible job of talking about. Um, and I don't mean like the some of the cuckoo things that you hear when people bring up the Holy Spirit. I mean that there is, there's great authority in the Holy Spirit that that we as Christians can walk in. Um, and I hope that I'm an example of that. Um, but man, I just, I just, I just want to live, like I said, in, in, in uh, authentic faith that is in action. And then the thing is, and, and if I have any youth kids that listen to this podcast, they've heard me say this, a thousand times, um, whether it be in personal conversation or when I've got up to speak to youth uh, or, or adults, it is just the, the simple thing is, is, is like, you can do what I can do. And um, if truly, if some good old boy from South Texas can do these things, you can too. There's nothing really special about me other than all I try to do is live a life that, uh, I mean, that that is pleasing to my father and that I'm living a life in the example of the son, but empowered and equipped and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. And I just want people to know that they can do that too. And I want them to know the the, the truth and the grace of God. And so that's, that's it, man. I mean, that's my ministry. And it it doesn't matter, bro. I mean, you don't have to be a pastor to do these things. You know, you you can be somebody uh I mean, like yourself. I mean, you work in construction. Is that correct? Construction, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
2: I mean, bro, you you could be <laughs> the same thing. You're just doing it to uh your your congregation is those people that are all around you. I mean, um, so I'm so I'm I am Methodist. Um, I, you know, have worked in the United Methodist Church for 18 years. But the thing is, is like the reason I'm really Methodist is because I was inspired by the founder of Methodism, which is a guy named John Wesley, who lived in the 1700s and into the early 1800s. But at one point in time, he got in trouble uh, from the Anglican Church. And they told him they're going to take they're going to kick him out of the pulpit. And he wasn't going to have a church. You know, he wasn't going to have a parish And so what he says is, I mean, is words, I mean, truly that are uh, a great example of what Jesus says in Acts 1, uh, 8. But John Wesley says, he says, well, the world is my parish. And so, man, that's been my ministry is anybody that I encounter, and I don't care where it's at. You know, um, whether it's here at this hotel resort in Conroe, Texas, whether it's in my, my church back home, whether it's in the grocery store, you know, uh, bro, I have have an incredible witness of an encounter that happened in Alaska. Yes, we were on a mission trip, but dude, we were on a mountain. I mean, uh, a, a mountain called Flat Top Mountain in Alaska. I mean, we, like I said, we weren't like right downtown ministering to folks. I mean, we were, I mean, we weren't quite in the back country, but we weren't, you know what I mean? Like we weren't just in a place where there was a lot of people. And yet I got, I, I mean, the, the Lord led a dude to come and talk to me. And his name was Maurice. And that was, in, that was an incredible experience. But all I'm saying is, I just say that to say, the world is my parish. And in Acts uh, 1, 8, I mean, that's when Jesus, that's when the disciples finally become the apostles. And Jesus cause because in Matthew, Jesus tells them not to go out to Judea, to Samaria, but to to stick around right where they're at and to find the lost sheep of Israel. But in Acts, what's great is he finally sends them out into the world and he says, Go out to Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so man, that's that's how I want to live my life is the world is my church and whoever I come into contact with, whether it's through a podcast like this, you know, or whether it's face to face and wherever that location may be, I hope that I am, uh, a, you know, a burning light of Jesus Christ wherever I go. And so that's, that's my
1: ministry, man. Heck yeah. That's uh, you should, you should at least do your lives. I know you're busy, man. Uh, with seminary school and all, but you should do those at least once a week. I miss them. I'm not going to BS you. I miss them because it was, you know, for me driving from job to job with work, um, you know, podcast or the radio and, and, you know, the podcast has some inspiration, but it was, it was inspiration beyond inspirational. Right. And I really appreciate your interpretation and the way you talk through your interpretation um, was is phenomenal um the understanding and the your heart is in it and that was i think one of the things that hit home with me you know and hearing you talk i I got chills uh hearing you talk about it right now um you can tell that your heart is in it and it, it it means that means something to me so i know you know i know that that was having an impact man so you should yeah you should do that try and do that like once a week if not for anyone else, for me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
1: that's, and that's just enough, man. That's, I mean, that's, that's it. I, I
2: appreciate that. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here just getting emotional. Um, truly. Um, uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad that this won't be like videotape because then people will see me cry.
1: Yeah, you
2: um, I, I can see you. but no man, I, I really appreciate that. Really, it really means a lot to me. Um, because uh, I'll just be super vulnerable right now. Um is dude in, in the ministry world, uh I don't know a lot of guys like me. And this isn't a woe is me tale because I'm a friendly guy, I'm an extrovert i'm i uh, uh, my buddy Dave that I was talking about earlier me is, he is he described me as just a social chameleon like i I truly am a natural networker and bridge builder, and so usually I find some common ground with people and I'm able to you know just to befriend them I mean to truly love them and um and in anyway I, I just say that it like like yeah dude, I know pastors that hunt. I know pastors that fish. But man, I I don't know a lot that really have that fever or that passion as as much as I do. And I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying I haven't met a lot of them. You know, I I do know a lot of passionate hunters and fishermen and outdoorsmen and women. But I don't know a lot that are like serving in full time ministry. You know, and so sometimes it's it's pretty lonely. But the thing is, guy, like. Like One of my biggest things that I've prayed for for probably the last five or six years is how do I marry my passion for the outdoors and and that drive with honestly reaching people, like if you want to call it in the hunting industry, but I think it's more about the hunting world, right? And and to be an agent of redemption um, and to be able to be somebody that, um, helps the gospel come alive for them, but that is also a hunter and a fisherman. Great. And, and ladies, I mean, no disrespect to you whatsoever, but I mean, like dudes, man, I mean, where, where are the men at? And that's the thing that I often ask myself in the church is like, where are the men at? Because they're missing. And there's, there's a lot of, there's been quite a bit of literature in the last 20 years or so that has come out and they've, you know, talked about these things to where, you know, just, just like culture, the church has become more effeminate and we don't see a lot of, uh, a lot of men or manly men in the church. And all I mean by that is, I mean, like, look, dude, I, I truly, I like all the things that dudes like, I like the roar of a freaking V8 engine when it's just throttled down let's go hammering down the road, man. I love that thump of a big cam and a V8 engine. And I love to hunt. I love to fish, you know, those kinds of things. But like I said, I don't know a lot of pastors that really like those things. Or maybe it's kind of like you were talking about, uh, like being in California and being around 10 hunters and not knowing, like maybe I've been around pastors that, that they just don't share it like the way that I share it. Cause I'm pretty open about it, you know? Um, so I don't know, man. I mean, maybe through this podcast, we'll have some of these closet uh, pastors, you know, like, like reach out <laughs> and, and say, Hey man, I feel you, bro. And I'm, and I'm going to tell them say, I and mean, just like you share Jesus, share that passion for the outdoors too. Because that, that's, that's a thing, man. That's that is that, 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 I mean, look, I'll, I'll tell you this right now. I serve the Lord. I serve my wife and my girls and then man i mean it's not really even a distant fourth if god wife kids uh, i mean it i mean should say it is it is a distant fourth but i mean it's a strong fourth place it is hunting man i mean hunting fishing being being outside i mean all of that stuff is a big deal to me and man i've been i've been praying for five or six years dude about like how how can i marry these things together, you know, and um uh, I've had people here lately, they were they're like, man, start a like start a ministry where you can like guide hunts and do things like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's but that's not it. Like I want to be able like going back to the live thing, like I want to be able to do that in person with people, especially hunters, man. Like I, I just want to be an agent of redemption any uh, outdoors for hunters, you know? I mean, just like you have missionaries that go off to Africa, some hang out in the inner city, some are in the suburbs. Like, man, I'll, I truly want to be a missionary to hunters. And I, I'm just gonna be honest, I'm a little bit different. And, you know, like in the, in the Christian world, I'm, I'm not Christian enough for people. I, I mean, dude, I dropped, I dropped a bullshit on your podcast. <laughs> two saying, of not, them. There's no two of them. There's, there's, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. I'm not, I'm not perfect. You know? And I know some people will disagree with that. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that on the podcast. Look, I'm just gonna be honest. That's just me. Okay. And if we share hunting cam together, you're probably going to hear him. It's especially if I told you that I wanted to throw my effing bow off the mountain because I missed a shot or, you know, stepped on a twig or whatever, right? Like whatever happened. I mean, you're just going to, you're going to hear that from me. And so I'm just letting you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different in that way. I'm not, I'm not a guy that just cusses like a sailor, but, I, but I will use those words every once in a while, you know, I mean, and, and so, but as far as just trying to relate to people and I'm, I think you know this man. And, and there's other guys that I know that, that admire you and listen to your podcast and I've had interactions with, and most of the people that truly know me will tell you like, you get what you get. Like I'm, I'm not a fake, I'm not a fake person. I don't try to just uh, church things up just to church them up. Um, I do have, I do have a high, high regard for God and and the holiness and the righteousness that he brings. And so don't mistake me saying bullshit for not having that high regard for the Lord. You know, I mean, uh, and so I just want to get that across to anybody because here's the thing, if you're struggling with your faith or maybe you're just a little bit curious, or even if you want to come at me and and say, God isn't real or, you know, Jesus isn't the answer. And you want to have that conversation with me, man, I'm, Hundred percent open to having that conversation with you, and I just, I just hope more than anything else that we're respectful. It goes back to constructive criticism. It goes back to being okay to, um, you know, just being able to say, you know, hey, you know, we're just gonna agree to disagree, um, you know. But I, I want to have those conversations with people, man. I mean, that's that's where the world is my parish as a part of it. I want them to know that Jesus Christ is real, the Holy Spirit is real, God is real. And I want them to know the, the love, mercy, truth, and grace that Christianity can bring to them in a in a very real and powerful way. And so, um, look if if you're listening to this, uh, I, I want to have those conversations with you, e- even if you think it's all bogus and bunk or whatever. I'm, I'm willing to have that conversation with you. I'm I'm a I'm a reasonable guy. <laughs> That's what I would say. I'm, I'm a reasonable Christian.
1: You know. Well, you, you, you dropped the, uh, the bullshit three times. So that's, uh, that's apparent.
2: (laughs) Um, I guarantee there'll be be somebody that chastises me for that. And, and, uh, you know, man,
1: you're definitely literally preaching to the choir on that one. My mouth, man, I, I, I catch a certain amount of flag by my mouth, but like you said, I am what I am, you know, it doesn't, uh, doesn't change the person that I am, you know, it doesn't change my heart, but you know, it's just the way I talk. So.
2: Yeah. Same, same here. And I, I, I know that I'll catch some plaque for it and you know what, I'm okay with it. I'm, um, uh, it it's, you know, uh, I heard, heard, a a guy, uh, a pastor, his name is Brian Loritz, um, uh, African-American preacher. He told a story about his grandfather and he, you know, his grandfather was getting up in age and he just said, you know, uh, like Papa, what, uh, what's, what is something that the Lord has, has worked on you? You know Uh, he said, you know, I used to cuss at the drop of a hat and this, and again, I mean, this is, this is a grandfather that's African-American and probably lived through, I mean, like legitimate threats and civil rights and Martin Luther King days and all that. And anyway, he said, I used to cuss at the drop of a hat. He said, now I don't cuss that fast anymore. And the whole, the whole point was it wasn't to justify cussing or curse words or anything like that he, what he was talking about in his whole sermon was just about change and how the lord like it's a lifelong workmanship that the lord does with us you know in mean, potter's clay god is the sculptor and there are things in us that he works on consistently and so you know i mean just at the end of it i mean all, all he was saying it was grandpa again the whole emphasis was, you know, about heart change in it, you know? So people are going to get hung up on the cussing thing. Um, and that's not what that meant at all. It was just like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's a thing that will happen to me. It's like, I used to cuss at the drop, drop of a hat. But I don't cuss that fast anymore. And all I'm trying to say is, is like, I think there were probably some bigger issues in my life that the Lord was really working through me. Like maybe pride, maybe anger, maybe stubbornness, uh, maybe humility you Know those kinds of things other than just my language, so uh, there you go, man.
1: Heck yeah, buddy. I don't know if there's a better note to end it on, <laughs> I really don't. Outside of saying, man, I again, I think you should be doing those, I appreciated the heck out of them. Um, they you know, inspirational, uh, insightful. <gasps> Um, so it meant a lot to me, man. And, and yeah, I just appreciated it. And I appreciate our friendship, man, that, uh, that we've, you know, kind of forged through social, uh, via those, you know, sermons, if you will. So I appreciate it, brother.
2: Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, and just to clarify, um, you know, and I, I forgive, uh, guy in this regard, those were conversations with other people just (laughs) so people know that because I haven't done a live in a while. So it wasn't just me giving a sermon. It was me having conversations with people. Um, and and the only question I really ask is where have you seen God at work lately? You know, whether it be in their life or in the world or whatever. And so there's that. And man, uh, I'm just going to end in saying this, this is, this is shooks two Is Thank you so much uh, for having me. Uh, truly, man, like you have no idea uh, when you reached out and asked me. I was, I was floored. I was like, "Why, yeah. why me?"
0: <laughs>
2: uh, and that's not, that's not any any sort of false humility. I really mean that. I was just like, "Wow, this is." I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, so thank you so much. And then again, man, thank you for all of it. I mean, bringing people along and hunting the conversations that you have on this podcast, whether it is, I mean, just truly, uh, shooting the breeze with a couple of your buddies or, uh, having a guy like me on and just trying to get to know me a little better. Uh, or, I mean, just the, the technical things about hunting that you provide for, for us, you know, especially like I have no experience in Western style hunting, but yet I mean, you've brought experts on your podcast and I've learned a great deal so that hopefully when I have that opportunity, you know, that, that it just helps bring me one step closer to success. And so, man, I just think, say, thank you for sharing uh, all the things that you do. And then again, man, I, again, I just want to, the last thing I would say thank you for is what you've tried to do for these charities um, and, and just trying to help folks out, man. Because, like I said, w- what whatever money was raised, even if it was ten dollars, it's gonna go I'm a pissed. long way. <laughs> just in the department of somebody was thinking about them. You know, like man, guy tried to do this thing. He sent me a check for ten bucks. He was very apologetic, but holy crap! At least he he's one dude that tried to do something you know? And the thing is, I'll say it right now. Look, I, I did not, I did not bid on a freaking thing. So shame on me of, of <laughs> not doing that. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll out myself. I, I didn't. And I couldn't tell you, I don't have a, I don't have a good reason or excuse, but brothers and sisters of the Western contours world, let's be better. And so guy, if you can leave them open a little bit longer maybe just maybe we can generate some more funds or at the very least brothers and sisters. If there's one of these things, I know I'm not going to get them all, but I know like raise them outdoors is one. I am a huge supporter of blood origins. Uh, follow me on Instagram and you will see that. I'm a huge supporter of Robbie Kroger and, and blood origins. Um, gosh, dude, tell, tell, tell us what the other ones are guy. I mean, I, I just, those are the two that I, I can remember. Oh, son. Well, it's a blood origins. Well, that's one that a I'd...
1: blood origins is, is the sun yes. project. And that one benefits, sun project. yeah, that Thanks. one benefits, uh, schooling for kids that are in hunting communities or villages in Africa that yeah. have been impacted. Right. So the finance isn't there with COVID. Um, so that money is going to go to them, help them, you know, continue in school. You have second chance outdoors. Logan, uh, is doing great work. Um, with his mission there to help vets and first responders get them in the field and and his is man he's he's doing phenomenal man um i think logan's a year in and he's just he's just growing and growing and helping guys out um my buddy's over at uh, do utah the disabled outdoorsman utah chapter um you know get in I, I, dude i hate saying disability um you know getting getting folks with uh, disabilities out in the outdoors track mobility utah that's um, my buddy brock and he's one of the guys that uh is uh on the board of disabled Outdoorsmen utah well brock was injured um he's in a wheelchair and he's like man you know how do i do this this you know these these track chairs are not cheap they're barely accessible so he started you know a thing where he's uh, helping folks get into track chairs, making it easier. So some of that's going to go to them. We have raise them outdoors. Um, which is another great one, right? That's that's the future that we like to talk about uh, of what we love to do there. So that's what we got going, man. And 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 I can't say thank you you enough for you know bringing that up and and putting giving me that perspective of it because I was a little bit bummed. But then also a thank you to the photographers who make money selling their portraits. That when I reached out. I mean, without, without question, without saying what's this for and how the money, blah 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 blah, um, just absolutely, you know. And I and and my offer was, hey, I'll pay for the print if if we could just get a digital, I'll pay for it. And they said, no, absolutely not. We'll pay for it. Just yeah. do the dang thing. So, thank you to all my photog friends out there. So you got christy uh colorado mountain girl jason untamed images uh lauren at good bull um carlin jason cox um you know just a huge thank you to them so yeah i i appreciate you brother and i appreciate you uh yeah that that made it made, made me smile change my perspective a little bit but you have a way to do that
2: <laughs> <laughs> well good man i mean uh yeah and i have to say something about Christie's photo for sure but her it's called tinkle time which is hilarious yeah but the other thing is man like you're watching what's going on there and if you haven't seen the photo check it out i mean all of them all of them are fantastic oh my gosh but christy's i mean the, the thing about Christie's is like I can smell that picture
0: yeah I mean, she has a way with the camera bro did you see
1: did you see my post my wife got me one of Jason's untamed images yeah dude oh, that oh, oh.
2: shot is ridiculous
1: it's so it's a it's a print on metal it's 20 by thirty and it is I I didn't expect it to look better than it does looking at it on my phone and when I bro, opened that, that, that box up tonight, I was floored.
2: Bro that metallic I mean, especially that photo, just oh, just because goodness. of the contrast of the black and then the then the elk, the bull screaming in your face, I mean, dude, yeah, I'm hanging no, on my ceiling was, in my room, <laughs> bro, no doubt, no doubt the bad thing is it's gonna haunt you for you know ten months out of the year because you're just gonna hear
1: Bree! oh dude, it's it's I'm looking at it right oh. now, it's absolutely, I mean the way. The, the power that they have in their captures is is phenomenal to me i'm i'm yeah, awestruck
2: all, all of those photographers that you named man are all of them are great oh my and goodness. like i said like i have to go back to christy's real quick like i said like just cause i want people to be clear about this if you've ever been around elk and number one you've watched them just piss all over themselves i mean it's just the for you whitetail guys it's the same thing when you're watching a buck just piss down his legs on the hawk on the hawks um and you, you know, anyway but if you've been around a, an elk wallow and you just smell that musk that is what i'm talking about is man like i could smell that photo i mean that's how good it is and then like jesse is like the one that you're talking about that you have you can just hear that bull freaking screaming, dude.
1: It's yeah, it's crazy. This, you can see so the awesome. saliva on his lips. It's just yeah, gosh. And what a smell! Isn't that weird to like a piss smell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. But I
2: mean, you're, I mean, like I said, I haven't pursued elk yet. But there's a place at uh, the YMCA of the Rockies, and there's there's this phenomenal disc golf course. Yes, I'm am a little bit hippie. In some of my, my sports in my in my older age now. But there is this one spot, dude, that there is a giant elk wallow. And uh I mean, dude, you can smell it like way before you get there. Um, and that's one thing that's been fun for me is going up there the last nine years with these pastors, is being able to share like some of that stuff with them. Like, they're like, oh, what does this smell like terrible, bro? And I'm like, terrible like this is That's a great heaven. smell you know, yeah. this, you know what this means <laughs> you know and then i get to tell them like this is what this means but it's funny dude and i tell them like yeah dude they pee in this and they poop in this and they roll around in it they get ready for the ladies and they're like dude that's gross and I'm like and and then I go and then I go yeah so quit wearing Axe body spray because that's what that smells like to
1: everybody else (laughs) 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 that's a fact that is a fact All right, brother well I'll let you back to it man I appreciate you taking time off of that family vacation man I'll be talking to you soon bro
2: yeah bro thank you very much man much love to you and uh, we'll see you guys out
1: there you too brother we'll see you Peace. Thank you for listening. Follow Western Contours on Instagram, subscribe on YouTube, and sign up at westerncontours.com. Episodes are available on most major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. Sign up for Mountain Hunter Box on our partners page. Mountain Hunter Box is a monthly subscription box for backcountry hunters. Receive quality hunting gear and camping gear at your doorstep every month. You can select the species you want to hunt and the method of take. With three, six, and 12-month subscription options, use Western Contours at checkout.